When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to another rebroadcast from the RTB Archives. Hello, and welcome to Recall This Book. This is John Plotz, today your solo host traveling the globe, at least as far as Southern Ohio, to bring you an interview with the filmmaker Mike Lee, a uh, seven-time Oscar nominee, winner of various BAFTA awards, born Manchester in 1943, and making remarkable films for almost half a century now. So who's your favorite Mike Lee? Is it the sly comic genius who condenses ordinary life into unforgettable vignettes? That would be something like Life is Sweet or High Hopes or Naked. Or do you go instead for the grit, the squalor, and awkwardness of what it means to be stuck in class-based social misery or to try to fake your way out of it? That would be films like Abigail's Party, Nuts in May, Meantime, Hard Labor. Or how about his more recent period films? He calls them that in contrast to what he calls the chocolate box style of history filmmaking. Uh, Those would be films like Topsy Turvy and Mr. Turner, which reveal that even such lauded 19th century artists as Gilbert and Sullivan had ordinary lives worth depicting in their banality. If you're still drawing a blank, Google him and I'll bet you find a film that you want to watch right away. I'll, I'll wait. Well, no, actually, I won't wait, but you do have something to look forward to after this interview. So when he and I sat down to talk at a Victorianist convention in Columbus, Ohio, no less, uh, our conversation ranged from uh, method acting to movies I'd never seen that should have, but should have, to improvisation and John Cassavetes, to when you can say fuck on British TV, turns out to be after 9 p.m., and that's only the first 20 minutes. He also uh, talked about James Thurber and effortlessly shot down my feeble question about uh, close-ups. His point, which I thought was actually very compelling, was that he's more interested in making a world for the viewer than he is making a series of well-composed shots. So the way he put it is it's neither slice of life nor is it just a shot confection. Instead, it's something in between. But our conversation began with uh, his mourning the absence of ordinary sound of working class voices from the 19th century. Why only famous people? What fascinates me about this is, of course, that they never, it never, this is really interesting, um, which came up in research for various historical things, is that they recorded famous people and it really took ages for anyone to spot that it would be good to record ordinary people. Yeah. So the archive, there are all these very early recordings of famous people sort of rather formally saying yeah. things or reading things or whatever. Yeah. I like the Browning because he forgets the words in the middle, so oh, it becomes yeah, there informal. Yeah. yeah. But, 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 but yeah. actually, you know, when you start digging around for, for Vox Pop, you know, it's actually, it, it took them ages. To, and really, even, even the BBC up till World War Two were still, yeah. um, if they had made documentaries about, for the radio about 
ordinary people, they'd write down speeches for them to read out. I didn't know that. Yeah, although there are recordings in the National Sound Archive. I mean, when we were researching Mr. Turner, Marion Bailey, who plays Mrs. Booth, found these recordings, because obviously she was a woman from Kent, found these recordings of very old guys recorded in the 1920s yeah. talking this Kentish dialect which she found very useful, which we built into some of what she, how she talks yeah. and what she says. You know, when you say that, I remember there used to be these BBC accent records. Like, yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like my mom took That's them right. home. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But, 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 but um, it's fascinating that those very early, uh, late 19th century recordings yeah. only recorded famous people. It never occurred to anyone to go into the street and pick up Vox Pops. Did you it? see that Peter Jackson movie about oh, yeah, World War? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, isn't uh, it? Very what he good. Does? Yeah. Really good. Yeah. But yeah. he doesn't have the voices. He just has the lip of readers. Course. Yeah. Of course. But yeah, yeah, but, but a lovely job, actually. But it's crazy to think about that you would have accurate visual capture of people, but you so, wouldn't have their... It never occurred voices. to anyone. You know, yeah. it's, it's extraordinary, you, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and the amount of footage of... Uh, Ordinary people doing ordinary things on film. Right. I mean, people leaving a factory at Lulham. Oh, yes, yeah, the actualities. I mean, yeah. We, we did, when we sat down to do Topsy Turvy, the BFI gave us two hours yeah. of footage shot in and around London between 1896 and 1901. Wow. And there was two hours of it. It's a massive amount. People got, I mean, you know, the thing was only invented. Yeah. In 1896, yeah, right. within minutes, it seemed, people yeah. had cameras all over the show. I, I went and looked at that same footage. Was I was writing a book about crowds in the 19th century, oh, and I would look to you the BFI. Yeah, I saw some of that. I mean, it's there's amazing. massive amounts of it. Totally. And, you know, yeah. They filmed everything, and yeah. it no, never occurred to anyone to record. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Actually, you know, that leads into one question I wanted to ask you, Mike, which was about, um, for you, the differences between your TV films and your films. Like, were the TV films... I mean, I... If that's, does that category make sense? I mean, things like Nuts in May. And, what's, the, what's the question? Well, the question is, like, formally, was that different? I mean, was it, it wasn't tape versus film or anything no, like that? No, no, no. The only things I did on tape were those studio productions, Abigail's Party and the Permissive Society, um, mm-hmm. which were five-camera studio jobs. Uh-huh. But everything else was on film. So we, there were films. I mean, we didn't obviously make them to the same motion picture standards that we would with a 35mm feature film, right. of course. But... Um, Does that mean you were using 16mm? Oh, not 16mm. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But then we even... Even Vera Drake was shot on Super 16, hmm. believe it or not. Because hmm. um, of the quality we could get. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, um, th- they were films, and I regard them as films. As films. And nothing about them, fundamentally, was any different from making yeah. a movie, really. And were you caught up in any TV constraints? Like in America, you know, it goes hour by hour, but I guess in Britain... the f- like the TV slots. They oh, didn't yeah, tell no. you it has to be 92 minutes exactly or anything the, like that. The, no, they did, but they were very, very fl- fluid about it, uh-huh. actually. So, I mean, like four days in July, which is my film about Northern Ireland, yeah. was supposed to be, I think, 75 minutes, and it was actually 96 minutes. Uh-huh. And they made, they made a fuss for about two seconds. Uh-huh. But, it, you know, the fact was, unlike ITV, where they had commercial breaks and all of that, yeah. like here... It didn't really matter, and it was it was actually so it was actually flexible. And the only constraint of a sensorial nature was that you couldn't say fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could show abortions, for example. That was all right. Not or, I don't I never it never. Oh, I mean up. you. No, sorry. I'm talking about my 
television films in the right. early days. You're not well, yeah, but in hard labor, I just mean the, you, sorry, you don't show an abortion, but I mean that the fact in hard that, labor that isn't, well, what's abortion? Oh, what am I? Well, they um, talk about it. Yeah, they know. talk about it. Yeah, sorry. But, yeah. but um, no, no, but, 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 but um, you couldn't say fuck. The first film I made where anybody said fuck was Meantime, which was made yeah. for um, Channel 4. Yeah. And we calculate, we knew what time it would go out and therefore up by what stage in the film after the night, it was a nine o'clock hour. Nine o'clock threshold, hour. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. um, but of course now you can say whatever you want. Yeah. I was going to ask you about Meantime. It's a, such an unbelievable cast in there. Was that, was that like Tim Ross' first, was that his first film? Second. Or second. Wow. Had, did you film. do his first as well? Or? No, 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 no. He was in a film with um, that Alan Clark made called um, Made in Britain. Um, just before that, and that's really how I found him. Alan Clark said, uh, "This guy's, this kid's good." Yeah, no, I mean there were actors from he and Gary, if the question is, did we know, Gary Oldman's brother? We didn't know they were yeah. going to become megastars. Yeah, <laughs> but I guess the more general question is like how you think you got. There's some people who you have worked with for film after film, yeah. and then others just a couple of films. Yeah. Do you, and sometimes one, you know. Yeah, and did you always, was that always the idea or did you? No, no, you, it's not yeah. an idea. Yeah. It's not a project or it's not a, that's not a policy. It's just the way it starts to happen. I mean, you know, you work with someone and they're really good and you, and you click and they are yeah. versatile and because they're all character actors that I work yeah. with. Yeah. And so you go for it again and so in some cases again and again and again. But there's no, um, there's no construct in it. I mean, and there are people that I've worked with and, want to work with again and every time I doing something they're they're not available, you know, yeah. and so on and so forth. And there are there's there isn't a film of mine where you don't see somebody that I've never worked with before right. being brilliant, you yeah. know. Um not least young actors. Yeah. You know? So it's not there are no um there's no policy in it at all uh-huh. actually. I mean people talk about you know the ensemble it's all rubbish basically okay. it's people come and go and <laughs> yeah. uh, you know because <laughs> I know a young filmmaker from Argentina who I think inspired partly by you has just an ensemble that he works with well it's, that, it's not, you know yeah. th- that's I understand that you know a family form there is a kind yeah, of that's what th- it feels th- like with his films yeah, yeah. there's a yeah. Kind, there is a sort of uh, there's obviously a, um a, it, it isn't for me to talk about, but mm. there is a sort of, I suppose, a kind of inner sanctum of people who have worked with Mike Lee, um, you know, yeah. because we do stuff that doesn't happen if you on any other kind of film, you know, yeah. in the very in the nature of the thing, yeah. it's sustained and long, and people are really really have to do it. There's no messing about with it. Yeah, um, but it's not. Uh, but I it, it, not only do I resist the notion of an ensemble, but actually most, I resist it only because it simply isn't accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, you know, if I, if, if um, some um, force or authority said, okay, here are these 10 actors, yeah. and you could only ever make films with these 10 actors, I would remark it, regard it as a remarkably constraining, actually. Yeah. It has no um, inherent virtue at all. I mean, I can understand theatre companies of certain right. kinds, who, for whom that is a kind has a kind of yeah. logic, but in the nature of what I do, it just doesn't make any sense because it depends what you want to yeah. make a film about, really. Well, has it ever been the case that something happened during a single one film that then triggered on to like the next film? You're like, oh right, we can't explore this in this film, but then no, the, you mean in terms of the content? Yeah, the ideas, content. No, 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 well, no. Yeah. Yeah. no. And in fact, you can see by looking at the films that they are, whilst they're all. Um, 
type of the same brush. They all yeah. are pretty different from each other yeah. in all yeah. sorts of ways. No, that simply doesn't occur because, you know, each... That, again, that's the same thing, really. It's that, yeah, you know, we're, that's we're, the family, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, each film is a new proposition, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, and all sorts of considerations come in, um, arise when you are when you have the the freedom to have um, you know a, a, a blank canvas afresh each new yeah. time because then you can sort of because you see in the end I think this is probably the one of the underlying points about what we're talking about yeah. is I'm not concerned in the first analysis yeah. with you know um, the nature of the ensemble or the nature of it. I'm concerned with the subject matter. I'm concerned with the world out there. And so when I look in that direction, there's that film. I look in this direction, yeah. there's another film. And so to be constrained by either trying to relink that film with this one or, yeah. you know, trying to keep the same actors or whatever, it was, those would be distractions and a red herring, really. So in terms of the world... Just yeah. one other thing about, yeah, yeah. About, about the actors thing is that, that um, apart from anything else... We are blessed in the UK with an incredible resource of actors, and there are too many yeah. actors to, yeah. to ever get round to, you know. Yeah. And you know, I mean, and that's the truth of it, yeah. you know. And there's several hundred more each year, you know, yeah. from the drama school. So, I mean, um, the idea of sort of confining it to just a few actors in an exclusive way would be eccentric. You started out, You did you intend to be an actor when you no. started at RADA? No. no. No, I wanted to know about. Stuff. I see. So even at like seventeen or eighteen, yeah. you knew it wasn't for you. Well, yeah. yes. I mean, you know, insofar as one can report that at seventeen or eighteen, right. I knew exactly. I mean, you know, um, my journey to um, to Rada at the age of seventeen with a amazingly with a scholarship that actually, yeah. you know, um, w- was as much as anything to escape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to escape home and escape yeah. Manchester and yeah. get to London and do yeah. all that, and you know, and to escape the pressure of that was put on for, for to be academic. You know, it was the one thing you could do where you didn't need academic right. qualifications. You yeah. just had to pass the, uh, right. the audition. Um, uh, and I'd been in plays. I'd put on shows. I'd written yeah. stuff. I'd you know edited um, by that time two um, different magazines. Uh-huh. I drew cartoons. I did all of that. You know, and uh, I mean, were I, you aware of like the angry young man and all that? Stuff? Well, um, yes, yes. Um, uh, uh, I remember drawing a caricature of an angry young man to advertise the school literary and debating uh-huh. society. Uh-huh. But you know, I mean. Um, I was 13 when um, Look Back in Anger happened, so you kind of knew it was happening, but you you didn't quite, you weren't on it completely. Was it all London or did it have like a northern life as well? It did, but I mean, again, you know, things filtered through and you, you know, you read the paper and whatever. But but anyhow, the main thing was, um, but I knew it was all about making things up and writing it. I mean, I didn't, I suppose if I think about it, I don't know that I ruled out being an actor, but um, I, I, I it, it, within minutes of being at RADA, I knew that it was about directing, and not, yeah. not least because um, RADA was rubbish at that time. I mean, it was old. <laughs> no, it was. It was old-fashioned, stale. Uh-huh. Um, y- you did plays. You didn't discuss the plays. You you learnt the lines. Yeah. You learnt the moves. You didn't fall over the furniture. You never discussed what is this. And huh. there was no story of discussion about backstory. There's no improvisation yeah. and all of that. Yeah. And it took minutes 
to start to react against yeah. that. So it was immensely useful from yeah. that point of view. Yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, and also, I mean, I hit town in September 1960. Well, I mean, the zeitgeist was about to erupt. Yeah. You know? we're talking 19, I mean, yeah. Shadows was playing yeah. as I arived. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Nouvelle yeah. Vague was on the go. Yeah. You know, Peter Brook was starting to do his Oh, thing, Peter so. Brook, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and then there were, of course, before too long, there were, you know, happenings and all the rest of right. that stuff going on. And yeah. it, it was all happening in art, you know. I mean, I, I remember arriving in London and within a week, in the first week, going to the great Picasso exhibition at the Tate, which uh-huh. was a mind blower. And um, then somebody's... And I, here's the other thing, which is yeah. really important. Up to that point in time in Manchester, and I went to the movies all the time as much as possible yeah. from the earliest age. Yeah. And I saw... And that being mostly Hollywood or... All Hollywood. All Hollywood, yeah. Or British, or British yeah. movies. Yeah. I yeah. never saw a film that wasn't in English. Yeah. And within a week of being in London, somebody said, oh, look, uh, there's a, they're showing a film at this uh, arts festival. And it was this extraordinary film about the you know this knight playing chess with oh so you saw the seven seals yeah Yeah. was there like a voiceover or something or how did they do it or subtitles 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 yeah yeah, Yeah. but but i mean the point was you know we're in london of course i discovered world cinema Mm -hmm. right you know and Mm -hmm. the whole thing Mm -hmm. so so it didn't the, the issue of um directing and making stuff was not was there to be it was obvious you know and but the time i left Thing. I'd put on a production of The Caretaker by Pinter, and, yeah. um, which I also designed, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, that's what it was about. And then I went on and yeah. um, uh, I acted a bit, I very usefully found myself in a movie, yeah. a feature film. I saw that on your Wikipedia page. Yeah, to yeah. Left Feet. And it yeah. was, what was great, yeah. I had a very minor role, but I used to go every day, they used to say, we haven't called you, you're not in this. I said, yeah. I'm just here, you know, yeah. to watch. And it was fantastic. I yeah. mean, you, you know, it was an old-fashioned Studio movie yeah. directed by Roy Ward Baker, who famously directed Titanic, uh-huh. um, and it was simply. Uh, then I went to um, Camberwell Art School on the foundation course yeah. for a year. I did a year in the Theatre Design School of the Central School of Art, and I went to yeah. the London Film School at night time. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, so I did all that, uh-huh. and then I started to make plays. Yeah. In, in a... Was there snobbery in the theatre world? Like we would, you know, we we wouldn't touch film with a ten foot pole, kind of thing, or w- were people always looking to get into film? Like, was there a fluid boundary between theatre and film, or a stick? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say so. I mean. Of course, you have to reflect on what we mean. See, uh, no, there was, because in fact, uh, uh, um, we're talking about the early 60s. Therefore, we're talking about the age of the period of the British New Wave. Lindsay Anderson, Carol Rice, Tony Richardson, uh, John Schlesinger, etc. Now, those guys, um, first of all, all of those films, and this is incidentally why I never felt completely personally one with what they were they were yeah. what was great as they were looking at working class life yeah. what was however the case was that all of those films without exception were adaptations of either plays yeah, plays from the royal court theatre right, yeah, or yeah. novels yeah. there were no you know whereas so whilst looking at those and digesting those you know one was also looking at uh, for example Abu de Souffle mm. which of course is you know as it were painted on the canvas you yeah, know it's yeah, raw yeah. it's film yeah. um, so you know, there's a lot to think about. Uh, yeah. You know, but so as to the um, fluidity between yeah. theatre and film, no, I mean the Royal Court Theatre and Woodfall Films, who made all those films, were, yeah. were part with the same guys, really. You yeah. Know? So there was, you know, people, you know, I, I don't think there was. 
apart from, no, I don't think there was a snobbery particularly. Um, I mean, there might have been with some very old-fashioned people who will have taught us at the academy. But, you know, I mean, even the, the oldest of them, uh, 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 movies had been around as long as they yeah. had. I mean, you know, we were taught yeah. in the first term by a woman called Nell Carter, who's mm-hmm. a little old bird. Who this had, is Rada now. Rada, yeah. who had played Juliet in Irving's, Henry Irving's last season at the Lyceum God, in 1899. Wow. Yeah, talk about Victorian yeah. connections. Yeah, yeah that's so, amazing. I mean, wow. you know, <laughs> I, I, and of course, you know, um, she, 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 you know, she was no, um, no radical director. You know, she, it was about sort of, it was very, very square. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but um, movies... Yeah. Wouldn't have been a novelty to her. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. they were they were happening when she was little. You know? Right. So, can I ask about those British New Wave? I've, I've 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 read about the Cassavetes connection for you, but I was well, wondering. Well, I mean, the, just like, in, yeah. in passing, just just to round that yeah. off. I mean, uh, the fact of uh, shadows, particularly yeah. at the moment one discovered it, was yeah. the fact was it had an in inverted commas been improvised, and that was a radical and remarkable thing. Yeah. In passing, though it's not in the drift of what you obviously going to t- want to talk about, yeah. but in passing, I mean, my um, worst things like uh, the murder of a Chinese bookie, for example, um, is that what it's called? Yeah, it's, I can't agree. Yeah, I, you know I'm what not, I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, I've got a lot of respect for Cassidy, yeah. but on the other hand, yeah. not always, because quite a lot of the time, what you are looking at are actors playing themselves and improvising on camera and letting their own shit hang out, yeah, know, as yeah. opposed to de- really depicting the world. Yeah. And although, I mean, it's got its own kind of dynamic quality, I sort of part company with it yeah. to a considerable extent because obviously what I'm concerned with is not um, raw acting, uh, yeah. you know, revealing its, its innards, improvising in front of the camera. It's about right. distilling the world and making yeah. something very precise, which isn't about actors. It's about the world. You know? can, can I ask it that? I, I sort of had an inchoate question about it. It seems like looking at your education that there was, there was a period of method acting training, right? Was it the no. East 15 school? No. No, I didn't train. I taught there. Oh, you taught a, there? Some people have written that I've trained there. That's rubbish. That's, I I'm glad you there. said that. Well, I'll correct Wikipedia. No, no, then. I mean, yeah. I know. We, yeah, there's, yeah. there's such a lot of rubbish in Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know who puts it there. I, you know, by the time I went, that school came out of Joan Littlewood's yeah, stuff. right. Um, and I went and taught that and made a play there with the, as yeah. well in, in uh, 19... By that time, it was 1968. Oh, okay. Um, I'd already been an assistant director at the RSC and yeah. all sorts of stuff. No, okay. no, I... I, I so can't... method and you have nothing in common, really. You don't have a... Like... No, I mean, of course one thought about it and knows about yeah. it. But, I mean, if you want to talk about that, I mean, it's very straightforward. Um, the idea of the actor finding the character within himself or yes. herself. Marlon Brando And then, yeah. well, that's what they all, that's yeah, what yeah. They all did. Uh, 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 and then sort of living it, becoming the character yeah. and all that, is as far down the other end of the spectrum from what I do with actors as you can get. Yeah. Because what I'm concerned with is that they are people very much are able to play all sorts of different people. And when they play somebody, they totally get are able to go into character and be in character. But yeah. they are able, 
with a discipline to come out of character yeah. so they can be objective about yeah. the character so yeah, yeah. and then work with the material. Yeah. And also, it's bad for you to sort of, particularly if it's a character who's traumatised, to, to, to become the character. It's rubbish, basically. Yeah. It has no, makes no sense. Uh, so in that sense, I absolutely, whilst I respect the integrity and the intentions of uh, and the spirit of the actor studio, yeah. I completely, on a practical and philosophical level, yeah. part company from it. This feels related to me. You might not think it's related, but can I ask you, one of the things that I love about really all your films, but especially those early ones, is is the power of close-ups, the way you use close-ups, I mean, to just kind of sit with someone's face while they're experiencing something. Is that, I mean, do you think of that as no, like, no? No, I mean, you know, uh, there is no, um, again, there's no kind of, aesthetic or dramatic or cinematic agenda about this. Yeah. You know, when it needs to be in a close-up, it's a close-up. Okay. <laughs> it to be a long shot, it's a long shot. And if it needs to track, it tracks. And uh-huh. if it doesn't, there's no reason for the camera to move it to stay still. Yeah. But, I mean, that's all there is to be said about it. Yeah. I mean, I have no philosophy of the close-up. Yeah. Because, you know, and I don't think it, with respect, I don't think it's especially accurate or true to talk about the earlier films in relation to the close-ups which implies yeah. that we don't have close-ups in the later films. no no I, the, I mean if you think about the opening shot of another year yep. for example on Imelda Staunton yep. that's a massive close-up without anything preceding it yep. and you're thrown into this woman's crisis yeah and you misled into thinking this is a film about this woman and you don't you hardly see her again yeah. no 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 I mean there is no I have no you know it's the language of film and it's there, it's, it's like, in a similar way, um, Russian arc notwithstanding, which has got, got its own uh, logic. I mean, apparently it would seem that um, Sam Mendes, produced by um, uh, Steven Spielberg, has just made a film, which is just finished, called 1917, about the First World War, and it's all, hmm. in, one, all in one shot. Jesus. Yeah. Now... You think, oh wow, how cinematic! <laughs> now, I, we've, it's, I, have you it, seen Russian Ark? I've never seen it. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. You've never seen it? No. Is well, it worth when you yeah. do see oh, it? Yeah, it's worth getting hold of it and the documentary about making it. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, it's essential viewing. It's it mad. is. Okay. It's mad, but it's. You it know, seems you know. so mad. Yeah. No, no, but, yeah. but, but anyway. Uh, yeah. uh, um, but here's the thing, and this is related to this. Yeah, the question of the, a fetish about close-ups. Uh, and that's your word, not mine. It is. No, it is. Yeah. No, but I mean, I'm, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I refer to it as something that you may have been in and inadvertently accusing me of. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you say, well, and I've fallen into this trap on a few occasions, you say, I know what would be great if we make all this work in a, in a single tracking shot. And you think, oh, that's great. You know, yeah, that takes you that. And so he moves there and then, oh, it's great. We can make that. In a There's a line, a danger line that you uh-huh. can cross where you suddenly know that what you are now doing in constructing it is to justify the shot. The shot, right. I see. You're letting the shot drive. Yeah. yeah, And that is, and of course, in no time you realize that what you're putting together is bullshit, basically. Yeah. Because actually, if you simply create the action and then decide how to shoot it, that's what it's all about. So I talk about that in the same uh, breath as... Um, the idea that there is a thing about close-ups or, you know... I, I hear mean, what you're you saying. Know, you yeah. can argue, yeah. you know, wouldn't it be great to make a film where you, everything's in a long shot? What does that mean, you know? Yeah. Some things are in long shot and some things you need to get in there and share, you know? Yeah, no, I hear you. That makes sense. Um, 
Hey, can, can I say, I've, my friend that you had dinner with last night, Ivan told me that you're going to go visit the Thurber house. Yeah. You Are you a Thurber fan? I've been all my life. Me too, yeah. All my life. Yeah. Drawings and stories? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And when I was told that that um, there's a, apparently a, a, a statue of a unicorn outside in the garden, <laughs> I thought, that's great. And I love that cartoon that they made in the 1950s of the unicorn in the garden, which... I don't think it? I've seen it. No, oh, it's online. You can wow. find it. That's amazing. Yeah, I will. It. Yeah, and they've animated. It's a famous animation. Yeah, but that that simply um, was done in the style of his drawings. It's fantastic. Oh, that's fantastic. And, you know, because I think the movie of Secret Life of Walter Mitty is good, but it doesn't feel like Thurber at all. No, no, just, no, no. Yeah. It's not. And, yeah. and why would it be? And yeah. Why should it be? And how could it be? I mean, yeah. Thurber yeah. exists on the on the page. On the page. You know? yeah, yeah, of course. But I mean, you know. Um, yeah. Everything, including you know the, the the thirteen clocks and the wonderful world yeah. and all that stuff. It, yeah, it's, you know, it's, yeah, you know, uh, those are childhood memories for yeah, me. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, um, yeah. In fact, my cousin, a long since dead, sadly, um, adapted the uh, thirteen clocks for the BBC Radio way back. Wow, uh, when he was quite young, and they did it. Um, but yeah, and the cartoon. I mean, you know, the, the great. Uh, achievement of a man who was half blind who couldn't draw. Totally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's these fantastic drawings. Absolutely. Yeah. That's kind of what I wanted to ask you, actually. Because, yeah. I mean, the the writing is unbelievable and the relationship to Mark Twain is fascinating. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, but the drawing, the way the drawing comes from, yeah, more than half blind, I, I think. Know. I know. Yeah. But it's, it's... And getting blinder as he drew. Yeah. You know? But yeah. it's the actual... Um, it's his world that really yeah. one resonates with. Yeah. What have you done with Dr. Melmos? <laughs> exactly, right. And that would be the first Mrs. whatever oh, yeah. like sitting up on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean you heard a seal bark? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but they work well. I mean, my, my dad used to read them out loud to me when I was a kid. Oh, really? I mean, they work, they don't just work on the page, they work no, as a no, voice yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. No, good. I look forward to that. Um, so that the another question I had for you was kind of other art forms you think about, and you do drawing yourself, right? And have always done. Well, or? I mean, yeah. I'm very lazy about it. Mm-hmm. I guess I when I went to art school, I can draw, and I, you know, um, I actually uh, in a parallel universe, I probably would have been a cartoonist. Mm. But uh, that isn't should never be misreported as being. Um, I was a cartoonist. Right. True. I mean, I drew. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm very, um, and my son is a very successful illustrator. Oh, wow. One of my sons, the other one's uh-huh. a filmmaker. Uh-huh. Um, Toby Lee is the illustrator. Mm. But, um, you know, I'm into all sorts of stuff. I mean, I saw a documentary in um, the London Film Festival literally a week ago, Miles Davis' The Birth of the Blues, mm. which I heartily recommend. Mm. Terrific. Um, yeah. Stuff. I mean, they talk to everybody, including oh, all these various great. women, and, uh, yeah. and there's lots of recording sessions and all. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm just kind of love all that. You know. Yeah. So, does the drawing ever figure into the film? Like, do you ever draw for set design or anything no. like that? No. Oh no, no. I, I work with. I mean, actually, interestingly, you should say that because in the uh, early period when I was developing the the so-called misnamed improvised play. Yes. Um, what name do you prefer? Then, well, I only say that because I mean sometimes people want devised, but you know the yeah. real point is 
Well, this is another matter. Okay. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 for years, I used to put, as you know, you've probably seen, devised and directed, and I changed yeah. it to written and, because yeah. that is really what I do. I'm yeah. a writer. Yeah. And it's only that it's... I changed it because it's more accurate, but also to avoid confusion so that people don't actually think it's um, just a committee job. Which yeah, yeah. However, um, it, it, for the first sort of uh, number of years when I put on plays in the on the sort of fringe theatre yeah. before I could get to make a movie and, and uh, before it got better and it got better scope, better projects to do it. When it was done very cheaply. I also yeah. designed my own shows. Um then I started to work with designers. I work with the designers, and they do all. You know, I don't do that. Um, so I was sort of wondering if you, you, you know, I've in terms of there's all these films that have inspired you. Are there other are other sorts of artwork that inspire you? Like, well, that's do what novels? you're asking me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, I mean, you've never done an adaptation. That's not your no. metier. That's not your. No, way. I'm not interested. Yeah. In you're that. not interested. Yeah, there's no point. Yeah, um, and I really take that point about that being one of the ways you're pushing yourself off from the new way. Well, you know, that's yeah. what people, you know, yeah. other people can do that. Yeah. I have to yeah. say that the number of adaptations in existence that are really, really any good is yeah. very small. Yeah, I think, and the best ones aren't really adaptations; they're versions or something. Well, that's or maybe you know. Yeah. I suppose if I was really going to be a fascist. I would ban all adaptations. Really? Mm -hmm. But then you'd kill Tarkovsky. He'd have nothing. Well, there you go. Why well, can't <laughs> win them all? Tarkovsky yeah. was very nice yeah. when we were struggling to get bleak moments, my first yeah. film shown in yeah. Moscow. Yeah. Tarkovsky was very, very helpful and no kidding. constructive. Just wow. yeah. No, I mean, you know, um, about nine months ago, I was in a conversation and the name of and Philip Roth came up. Oh, yeah. And I said, yeah, 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 Philip Roth. I've read Portnoy's Complaint. And I thought, yeah. I've only ever read Portnoy's Complaint. Yeah. So in the last uh, number of months, I've got pretty nearly only read, been reading, getting wow. through all of Philip That's Roth. That's awesome. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just terrific. Basically. You know, I just interviewed Zadie Smith about a month ago and she talked about Philip Roth for about 15 minutes. She's go. just obsessed and with him. And she's good. Yeah. I like she her She is stuff. good. Yeah, yeah. I like, yeah. I like her. I like her. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm not asking about adaptation. It's more like things that, you know, artworks that have like really spoken yeah, I mean, to you. you and, know, you know, yeah. you know, the trouble with this question, you sort of go blank and never know where mm -hmm. to start. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but Philip Roth is a great. I mean, one to you know, about. but I mean, yeah. I, I, I get a fantastic buzz out of Hopper, for yeah. example. Yeah. yeah, but you can understand that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, 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 you're familiar with this town, are you? Yeah. yeah. So I went and spent a couple of hours in the cartoon, uh, the Billy Island Cartoon Museum. Yeah, no, that's I mean, fantastic. That was just... I was going to ask you about that. Actually. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, that's great. What a blow of a place! It's fantastic. It is fantastic. Um, yeah, and also the way it, go, it takes cartoons back to the early nineteenth century too. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. German books. Of, yeah, and yeah. also, I mean, you know, um, when we were working on uh, um, Peter Lou, I mean, it yeah. was just a gas to go back to territory I already was into which is like yeah. Gil, Gilray and Rowlandson's yeah uh, early that stuff yeah I mean I don't know where to start I mean I um, I mean a lot of art I mean obviously um, Turner played an, an important part yeah in, you know. um, and is that a long standing thing for you I mean have you always loved Turner paintings before you thought I could do a film about them oh or, yeah, for, yeah. Well, for a long time yeah I mean I never I never noticed or was aware of Turner yeah. as a kid growing up. I mean, yeah. on my wall as a teenager were postcards of, you know, 
Picasso and Toulouse-Lautrec, and, yeah. uh, you know, and, uh, you know, at that early stage, you thought, oh, surrealism is great, you know, yeah. sort of yeah. took Salvador Dali more, yeah. ser- more yeah. seriously than I would take him now. The clocks, the clocks, uh, yeah, when that. I was in college, we, everyone yeah. had the clocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. And then I, and I think probably, insofar as, I, I mean, I have no recollection of Turner registering, but I think it wouldn't have done, because yeah. I wouldn't have been perceptive enough to distinguish Turner from boring landscape painting, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. And then I was at art school and I shared a place with a few guys. And one guy who's remained a close friend had a big reproduction of Fighting Temerat on the wall. And, yeah. and then we started to, one started to go to the Tate and look at the Tate. Yeah. And he suddenly yeah. started to twig it and sort of yeah. think, oh, this isn't just any old landscape painting, this is something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it, well, you're lucky to have the Tate to have that happen to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. both for Blake and Turner. Yeah, like that's, yeah, absolutely. I don't know where else that could happen. No, yeah. no, no, of course. But yeah. the point is, you know, things, I mean, you know, whether you're talking about George Gross or Otto Dix or yeah. you're talking about... Um, Brecht and Vile. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I mean, there's so much stuff that, you know, and of course uh, there is cinema. I mean, you know, um, I mean, uh, of course, Olmi didn't make The Tree of Wooden Clocks until 1978, by yeah. which time I was well up and running. Yeah. But, you know, that film is a massive blow away as far as I I've concerned. never seen it. Okay. Oh, uh, I can't yeah. believe that. I, I'm an idiot. I, what can I say? Well, I'm I mean, it's... Okay. I don't know whether you're an idiot, but certainly, yeah. <laughs> you're certainly missing a trick or two. Yeah, that's I mean, fantastic. Yeah. You know, it's an amazing yeah. thing. Okay. So it's not, I can't say only as an influence in any yeah. strict sense. And it's hard to talk about influences as such. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I was definitely influenced by Beckett and Pinter. Um, but as I say, you know, to... to, to uh, at, can I just say Beckett is fascinating in that sentence? Because I think of Beckett as leaving everything out, whereas everything you're describing about your ethos is to try to get it in, like to... It, well, it be, is, it, but then, yeah. of course, the job is to distill it. Yeah. And the, I mean, it, it, you wouldn't have to spend over backwards to see a kind of... See Beckett's influence somewhere along the line. If you look at bleak moments, yeah, I'm sure you see. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that isn't that is about. It's pretty distilled. You yeah, know I mean? it's not slice of life. It's not just no, let no, the camera it's not, run. It's not right. that. Yeah, mean, yeah. Slice of life is not what I do. Yeah, right. Know? Yeah, but also bleak moments particularly. I mean, if there aren't, I mean, there are longer silences in bleak moments. Yeah. than any production of uh, of Endgame or yeah, or, or, <laughs> um, yeah. But 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 um, I don't know. It's hard. There's so many. Things. And then apart from anything else, I mean, you know, I spend a huge amount of time listening to classical music. Yeah. Know, so. Huh. But can we circle back to Philip Roth? Because that's really interesting to me. Like that's, Yeah, but uh, you understand that I've yeah. only spent the last nine months. Nine months, I know. I'm not saying it's an influence. I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm interested in what resonates with you. Like how much what his novels do. I mean, he's an ens- he's an ensemble writer in a way because he his came, same characters keep coming back. You know? Yes, no, that's and that's yeah. his thing. You know, yeah. that's, that, that yeah. is what's interesting. That is what's interesting. And of course, like he, ghost comes and then exit goes. Yeah, and also to to to, 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 to but also to, to to do the thing he does, which is a whole different ball game, which is to to dramatize himself in you know and, and dish himself up in different guises, but it's still. Him, yeah. right, you know, and I mean, you know, on the whole, I'm not interested in films about films, right. uh, um, and the only exception in my work is Topsy Turvy, which is a yes. film about theatre. Um, so you know, I read Roth, and you think, well, yeah, but this isn't writers writing about writing, you know? yeah, but 
that's his prerogative. Yeah. And the real point is, what does he do? What, what's yeah. the best about humanity? You know. Yeah. Also, I mean, I come from a Jewish background. Yeah. Know? And <laughs> and so there are things that are in there that just sort yeah. of resonate with um, yeah. the world I grew up. Right. I in. saw you've done a play that sort of speaks to Jewish things. Yeah. Yeah. Of, Two thousand yeah, years, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, it did. Um, in two thousand and five, at the yeah. National Theatre. Yeah. But um, Roth, that world, yeah, sometimes, quite often, in fact, resonates with at certain levels. With yeah, it. you know, I re- recognise some of the characters. It, yeah, no, but the the connection I was trying to make was that you were saying, in a way, even though Topsy Turvy is, in a sense, I think you could call it a period piece, but it comes out of a life that you feel like you know. Yeah, totally. Not I mean, just I, in a historical no, way. No, no. As yeah. I said last night, we, you know, we were turning the camera around on what we do. We who make plays and films and yeah. entertain and take very seriously the job of uh, entertaining other people with our trivia. Yeah. You said profound trivia, which yeah, I, I like. No, yeah. I always say that. Yeah. Well, what do you think? What does that mean to you when you say well, profound? It's just cheeky. I mean, <laughs> no. Well, I mean, there's trivia and there's profound trivia. Yeah. You, know? you can work that out for yourself. Really. Um, can I ask what your, what your new projects are now? What no. Your, okay. Um, Fair enough. Not least because. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, most of my films and play, all of my plays, uh, and most of them, which means all of them except uh, Topsy Turvy, Mr. Turner and um, uh, Peter Lou, have yeah. all been projects where I've, we've said nothing to anybody, including the backers. And we said, uh, you know, give us the money and we'll go off and develop a film and the film comes out of it. Yeah. They'll all be made like that. And the one I'm going to do next, whatever it is, yes. will be no exception. So therefore, I'm not saying anything to anybody, but the reason I, in any case, um, can't precisely say, wouldn't be able to even if I wanted to. I mean, there are millions of ideas going around in my head at yeah. any given moment, but it's because I don't know how much money I'm going to have. Yeah. And until I know that, I will only know the size and scale of the canvas, and then I will be able to decide which direction to go in. But there's lots of possibilities. Yeah. There's no shortage of things to deal with in the world at the moment. Yeah. So... Does that mean you want to talk about Brexit or do you not want to talk about Brexit? I'll talk about Brexit yeah. at this moment. I know, right now. Even as, like we, speak. as we speak. Yeah. No, uh, my, yeah. my partner Marion and her daughter have just sent me a picture of themselves at the rally. Oh, at the rally. Which is going on all around Parliament right. while it's all going on. I mean, by now it's probably over, I should think. Yeah. Um, I hear there's some Tories speaking at the rally. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. there will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, well... What is it to say about it? Is a one hundred percent guilt-edged total disaster. Yeah, it should never have happened. Yeah, it's a complete um, folly. It's a complete waste of time. It's the most destructive, dangerous uh, uh, disease, which will last for decades. Mm-hmm. And you will, mean whatever the result of this, it will last for decades. Or... Well, if it was cancelled, yeah, and if. Um, Second or, referendum or relations or whatever. Were, yeah. were restored. Yeah. That, that, you, you might be disposed to say, well, then everything will be back to normal. But of course it won't because there'll be riots from yeah. the people that want that still ignorantly yeah. want to yeah. leave. Um, but also a massive amount of time, effort, energy and money has been expended and wasted yep. on the half possibility. Yeah. It's completely ridiculous and uh, yeah. irresponsible on every yeah. level. Is know? it 
Do you take it as ridiculous and just like a, a mad folly that somehow happened? Or do you take it as symptomatic of a direction that Britain or maybe Britain and America are heading now? Well, it's a direction in which the world is heading. Yeah. That's what I fear. Yeah. Well, it's a fact. Yeah. You know, um, you know, there's no question about it. it the rise of the of the far right. The ethno ethno populist or ethno nationalist. Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, we are into, you know, I mean nineteen thirties territory. Yeah, yeah. And actually yeah. it's worse because we're in the this age of uh mass communication. Yeah. Which is to which the thirties bore no resemblance whatever. Yeah. And that's got a great deal to do with it. Right. They the have cafe, of, we have Twitter. Yeah. 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 And beyond Twitter, you know. I yeah. mean, you know, it, 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 it's, uh, um, you know, welcome to the 21st century. You know, now, after nearly two decades, we find ourselves in what we now recognize is actually the 21st century. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I far from wanted to talk about Brexit, from, apart from not wanting to talk about Brexit. Yeah. I mean, I think it is the, you know, it's... It's a total and devastating disaster, really. Yeah. Do you see any? Are there any? Uh, are, are there any lights at the end of that tunnel? Anything about the '30s analogy that makes it look no, no, nothing? Well, you helpful. tell me what that. I don't know. I'm asking. I'm asking everyone that. I don't know. I, I mean, it's hard to see it. Yeah. It's hard to see it, and you know, as to what, as to Trump and all of that, I mean, you know, uh, it's beyond. Thurber had a, has this story about the greatest man in the world. Remember? No, I don't remember. They, they, yeah. they hire a. It's called the greatest man in the world, and yeah. they hire, they they build they built an aeroplane that will yeah. fly nonstop right around the world, yeah. and they're convinced it will crash. Yeah. So they find a guy who's an idiot <laughs> because they know it'll crash. Yeah. And um, they arrange uh, an event to lament the fact that he's crashed yeah. Um, yeah. in advance of it happening. And it right. flies around the world and it doesn't crash. Yeah. And so they ha have this reception. And of course, he's there at the reception. Yeah. Yeah. And he behaves unbelievably badly. Yeah. He ropes all the women. And, yeah. Yeah. and they think, you know, that we have to deal with this. And the yeah. crowd are outside, you know, thronging to see the yeah. hero. Yeah. And, um, it's, li it's a Lindbergh story in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, and so finally they conspire and he goes out on the balcony and they yeah. discreetly push him over the balcony yeah, right. and he plunges to his death. Yeah. And um, then, then, then they have the, the lamentation, the, yeah. the memorial that they'd planned. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I keep, in relation to Trump, I keep thinking about this. An idiot is, um, is projected into the... Um, into the chair, into the seat of power. Yeah. And behaves in a completely erratic and... Um, right. The difference is everyone around him is plunging to their death. You know, like, because the entire circle gets destroyed, but he doesn't get destroyed. He's... I know. Do you know there's a character in Middlemarch who flourishes wonderfully on murdered men's yeah, brains? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I just, like, that's what he is. I He's know. the saprophyte. Yeah. But, um, you know, have you got, you've got children, have you? Yeah, two teenagers, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, you've got teenagers. You've They're got furious at us. Well, what, that's what I was going to say yeah, was. I absolutely. mean, we who have um, raised kids yeah. uh, would know how to deal with Trump. Yeah. But, but somebody doesn't deal with him, you know. Yeah. I mean, here's an indulged brat, you know. Yeah. i got to say, our kids, though, have take the Philip Larkin line, don't have any kids yourself. Like, they don't understand why we had kids. That's an unbelievable thing Well, they to may hear. get over it. You know? They may get over it. I understand it's that's a something one. that a 16-year-old says. It's but, a thing yeah. you start, when it started yeah. to hear. I, 
And yeah. it's, of course, you know, there's no, I mean, the number of new babies born during the course of the time we've been having this conversation yeah. would actually fill most of this hotel right. in the world. Yeah. Um, and that's very depressing. On the other hand, you know, um, the world in which nobody gets born is the end of the world. Yeah. So it's hard to, it's hard to, um, to resolve this particular conflict. Yeah. Well, I've always been a huge fan of science fiction since growing up, but I've noticed in the last five or ten years, it's a lot more appealing to a lot more people than it used to be. And I think part of it is that notion of, like, we just feel like humanity has fucked everything up, so maybe there's some other answer, you know, either out there, or maybe we should just let the mold and the slime worms take over, or the slime molds take over, you know, and, the you know, like at the end of the time machine when the thing yeah, with no, claws yeah. comes out. I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Mike, thank you really a lot. Not I appreciate your time. No, it's thank great. you. Yeah. Recall this book is The Brainchild of John Plotz and Elizabeth Ferry. Music comes from a song by Eric Chaslow and Barbara Cassidy. Sound editing is by Claire Ogden. Website design and social media by Matthew Schratz. And on our website, as well as in the program notes on Stitcher or iTunes, you will find some footnotes to today's interview, including links to a bunch of Mike Lee films and various other works mentioned in the interview. We always want to hear from you directly with your comments, criticisms, or suggestions. Finally, if you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to forward it to friends and family, Please and write a review or rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. It makes a huge difference to us. We're very appreciative. You may be interested in checking out past episodes, including interviews with uh, Samuel Delaney, Chinese sci-fi great Shishen Liu, and Zadie Smith, who needs no adjective. Upcoming episodes in our jam-packed fall include a conversation about scientific collaboration and why it's better than humanistic collaboration with the string theorist Albion Lawrence. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon. Mm-hmm.